Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 to 18. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Mike. So the year is 1921, and an advertising executive by the name of Frederick Barnard, he took out an ad in a local paper because he wanted to promote his, uh, his ad agency. And the headline simply wrote, one look is worth a thousand words. And from that headline, we have the saying now today that a picture is worth a thousand words. And it is. There's, there's something about a good picture, isn't there? It just, it has the way to take complex and abstract ideas and to just make them, I don't know, sing, to, to get them, to, to just sort of devour them. It is, it's just, that's the power of a really good picture. And, uh, you know, the Bible, uh, has, has pictures. They're not photos, but they are pictures. They're word pictures. And these word pictures are designed to communicate really, really super important spiritual truths. Like what? Like a tree. Like a tree. Uh, we, we are thinking about botanical growth right now. We're in a visioning series. It's not a vision series. It's a visioning series. Because we're trying to understand, we're trying to grasp, catch, the kind of church that God has made us and that he's making us into. But the cement is still wet. We're still trying to figure that out. That's why it's called a, a visioning series. And so what we're doing is we are looking at different botanical metaphors in the scriptures, and we're trying to understand the spiritual truths so that we can get a sense of the kind of church that God wants us to be. For the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the idea of, of rootedness of being a church that's rooted in the Word of God, uh, of being a church that's rooted in the love of God. And this morning, we're moving on to the idea of growing. And we're going to focus our time this morning on verse 18 and on this idea, grow in the grace of, the, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just want us to focus on these words this morning. There's so much here in these uh, these words but grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I think we're going to learn three things from these uh, words this morning. First, that growth is gracious. Secondly, that growth is gradual. And thirdly, that growth is communal. So first, growth is gracious. Now, the first thing you'll notice in verse 18 is this. We're told where or how to grow. How do we grow? We grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is grace? Let's define our terms. 
Grace, on its most fundamental level, is a gift from God. And a gift, like every gift, cannot be earned. Okay, you can't merit it. Think of a gift that you have recently received. You got that gift? Or a gift that you have received in the past that's valuable to you? My question is this. How did that gift come to you? You just received it. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. Because if you have to earn or work for a gift, it's not a gift. What is it? It's a paycheck. So this grace that we're looking at here, where he says, grow in the grace, it is a gift from God. Now, let's get more specific. What exactly is this gift from God? It's this. It is God's unmerited favor and goodness that he gives to sinners. And we're all sinners in this room. We have all broken God's laws. Grace is God's goodness, his unmerited kindness that comes down to sinners and saves them through faith in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. That is the grace of God. And we're people who, who need that grace. And we always need that grace. We never outgrow our need for grace. I, I know that may, might not always sound to be the case, but it's true. What I mean is this. Oftentimes, tell me if you can resonate with this. We begin the Christian life by grace. We have a sense that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And we know we desperately need Jesus Christ to save us. We believe that. We become Christians. And we also believe that at the end, that, that God will receive us into heaven by his grace. But what about in between? What about in between? I know, I know the Bible says that we, we never outgrow our need for grace. But here's my sense. That in the Christian life, a gap forms. A gap. And yes, we believe that we come by faith. We, we arrive, you know, at the beginning by faith. And we believe that we'll be received into heaven by, by grace. But there's this gap in between. And it just... The thing about a gap is that it just it, it wants to be filled. A gap does not like to stay empty. I mean, think of a space in your house that's empty. And think about the stuff that you put on that. Where is that place? What do you put on that place? We all have that in our homes. And the thing about a hole or a gap is that it just, it just, it wants to be filled. And so we fill that gap in the Christian life. And we fill it with a bunch of things, actually. Um, we're going to call them isms. And these are some of the things that we fill that gap between, let's say, conversion when we start and glorification when we are received into heaven. First, legalism. Legalism says that, that I can earn or merit God's love and favor by keeping the rules, God's rules. And if I just keep all the rules, then I'm going to put a big smile on God's face. He's going to love me and accept me. And so the legalist starts to keep the rules. But if the legalist is honest, the legalist will soon say this, I think God's a hard God. I think God's a demanding God. 
And God is a kind of God who actually is a fault finder. And he's constantly pointing out my, my failure. And so the legalists, what they do is they reduce the grace of God down to a set of rules. But they're not happy. There's no joy. And there's no joy because there's no grace. It's an attempt to reduce the grace of God down to just a few rules. Legalism. And then there's biblicism. And the biblicist knows a lot. They have studied the scriptures. They know it all. They know the chapters, the verses. They know their theology. But the thing about these people is this, and here's what they do. They try and reduce or fill the gap by reducing the grace of God down to just biblical knowledge. And yeah, they know a lot. They know a lot. And, and they kind of sound like they're growing. But if you actually look at their lives, they're not really growing. They're proud. They're cocky, arrogant, know-it-alls. And what they've done is they have reduced the grace of God down to just some things that they know, stuff their head with facts. But it's not growth. Biblicism. And then there's experientialism. And here's where Christians are chasing after the next experience, the next spiritual high, some intense spiritual experience. And when they can't find it at one church, they will go to the next church. And on and on they go. They never sell down into a local church. They're going from one to the other, looking, chasing that spiritual high. And in between the highs, if they find them, they fall flat. They have reduced the grace of God down to an experience. And it's not just experientialism, it's this. It's, I don't even know if it's a word, but it's, it's relationalism. People who come to church and they think that growing means friendships and relationships and being accepted. And what they do is they fill in the gap by reducing the grace of God down to just what's going to meet my emotional relational needs. Now, the thing about all these things that's so appealing and it is kind of appealing, to be honest, is that there's a sense in which they're all good, right? Is it good to want to keep the Word of God and follow His rules? Yeah. Is it a good thing to read and study the Word of God? Yes. Is it a good thing to experience God? Yes. Is it a, is it a good thing? Are these all good things? Is it good to be in community? Yes. The problem comes when we try and fill that gap between the beginning and going to glory by reducing the grace down to just these isms. But we don't grow. That's not how we grow. The other thing that's so appealing about these things is it radically under, underestimates our deep need for God's grace. We think that these things are going to do it. We think these things are just going to be the ticket. They radically underestimate our desperate and daily need for grace. And to ask the Lord to come and to give us that gift anew, afresh, every single day. We never, friends, outgrow our need for the free gift of grace through Jesus Christ. We are desperate every day of our lives, our lives, uh, of our lives for it, whether we know it or not. I guess the question is this, how? How then do we grow? How do we grow? 
we're seeing this morning that, that there's a real danger of filling that gap by reducing the grace of God down to those isms. But how do we actually grow? And you know, I, I'm not going to tell you anything new this morning. And, and that's okay. The things that I, I want to share with you are, are tried and tested. They are the things the church has always said are the way we grow. They are called the means of grace. Yes, God gives grace. But here's the thing. He doesn't override our wills. He calls us to partner and, and participate with him as we grow. And so he's given us these these means of grace. They're not grace itself. They are the avenues by which grace comes to us. What are they? Receiving the word of God. It's observing the sacraments like the Lord's Supper and baptism. And then there's prayer. And then there's community. But these things are the way, the means, the avenue by which grace comes to us and then by which we grow. And so what I'm saying is that in order for us to grow, we have to grow in grace. Grace has to be the location. It has to be the home. It has to be the habitat. That's what the word in means. Okay? Grace is to the Christian what water is to the fish. Right? Some fish can live out of water for a while, but not many. And we cannot thrive apart from grace. Grace is not just for the beginning. It's not just for glory. It's for the here and now. You need grace. We desperately all need this grace. And so take those means that God has given and by which he has promised to bring grace into your life and then cause you to grow. Grace, grace. Growth is gracious. But it's more than that. It's also, it's also, it's also. Grace is not just gracious, but it's also the way that we move in a very progressive way. It's gradual. Grace is gradual. Now, I know what you're saying. Where do I get that idea from these words here in the passage? Because I know it doesn't jump out at us. It's clear. But let's look at this word growth. Growth. It's a, it's, it's a verb. It's a verb. It's an imperative verb. It's a, it's a command action. The thing about some imperative verbs is that they tell you to do something, but it's in a short spurt. Like jump. Jump! It's an action that's done, and then it's done. Right? This one's different. This imperative is different. Growing is construed in the present imperative, which means this, that growing, growing, is a process. It's a slow gradual process over your entire life. That's what growing means here. And I know that a lot of us don't want to hear that because we want to grow fast. We want like short bursts. We want massive change in, in our lives. Don't you want that? I mean, when you think of the things you struggle with and the fruit that you want to see happen in your life, don't you just want to have explosive growth? Well, guess what? It doesn't work that way. Listen, sometimes there are some seasons where we, don't, we do grow quickly. But I would say that by and large, that's not the rhythm of the Christian life. The Christian life in terms of growth is slow, it is steady, and it's gradual. And that's just the reality of the Christian life. It takes time to grow. Most things take time to grow. Like what? Like my tree 
Remember my tree, my my red maple outside my house? When we first moved in, the city planted it right in the front lawn, and uh, it was small, and, and it was it was kind of pathetic looking. And I looked at all the trees on the street with their big canopies sort of hanging over the street, and there was our little, like, Dr. Zeus tree. And it was, uh, I was like, when's this thing going to grow? Nine years later, that thing has grown. And even though it's not as big as it will be, that thing has grown substantially. It's gorgeous. You should see it sometime. That's how things grow. Things that grow fast are called weeds. Things that grow slowly, well, look at that's just the way that growth happens, right? And, and, and he wants to work with us, so it's going to take some time. There's a lot going on in our lives. He's not going to override our wills or just sort of jump in and do it all. He's going to work with us. No wonder why it takes so long. And he knows how to grow. He is the master grower. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he's in no hurry, or so it seems. And you're like, you're, you're no joke. He's not in a hurry. I think a lot of us look at our lives, and we're like, where's the growth, right? Where's the growth? You think of things that you've been struggling with, and you're still struggling with, and you're just like, where's the growth? I don't see any growth in my life whatsoever. Well, my question is this, who told you that? Who told you that you're not growing? I have this uncle called Uncle Nay, and uh, this guy's a character. Have I, ever, have I ever talked to you about Uncle Nay? I don't think I have. Okay, Uncle Nay is a character. I mean, he is, I don't know if you have one of these uncles or a relative, but he is big and he's loud. And uh, he's opinionated. And he's always monopolizing the conversation. And I would say that 95% of what he has to say is pure rubbish. 95, I mean, 5% is, is good. You, you know, you eat the meat, you spit out the bones. But 95% of what he has to say is pure rubbish. And he exhausts me. I spend most of my time correcting him and challenging him and putting him in his place. And he exhausts me. Crazy story. Years ago, he comes to live with me. And um, he was supposed to come for a visit, but he never left. And he just, he never left. And uh, he's, he's still living with me. And um, obviously, Uncle Ned doesn't, or Nay doesn't exist. Obviously, obviously, he's a fictitious character. Obviously, Uncle Nay does not live in my house. It's worse. He lives in my head. He is my inner critic. And he is always telling me what I'm doing wrong. He's always saying to me, you're not growing. You're not growing. How many of you this morning have an Uncle Nay that lives in your head? Okay. You all do. Okay? You all do. Everyone put up your hand, please. Okay, there's Uncle Nay. We all have an Uncle Nay who lives in our head. And Uncle Nay is negative. Uncle Nay, again, has almost nothing good to say. Almost nothing good to say. And Uncle Nay is going to tell you that you're not growing. But the question is, are you growing? And you are. And I know that when it comes to growth, we think it's all or nothing. Right? 
Nothing is I'm not growing. All is I'm perfect. <laughs> right? It's got to be all or nothing. Is that what he's talking about when he says grow gradually? How can that be the case? So let me ask you, are you growing? How do you know? Well, let me ask you this. Let's talk about your sin. Can we? Sure. Why don't we? When you think about specific sins that you have struggled with, have you noticed that the battleground has changed? I mean, from, let's say, an action to just a thought. Have you, have you noticed that? That's called growth, okay? That's called growth. And have you noticed that you're not doing that thing as frequently? Look, I'm not saying you're not doing it. I'm just asking the question, do you find that you don't do it as frequently? You know what that's called? That's called growth, okay? Have you also noticed that you are, I don't know, just quicker to ask God for forgiveness? Because you know that he is gracious and loves to forgive. And that's why he sent his son. Did you find yourself going to him and saying, Father, I just, I blew it again. I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? Do you find yourself growing in terms of, I don't know, patience and love and gentleness? Or, or do you... Do you ask the Lord more and more, I want these things. I don't want to be impatient. I don't want to say cruel things. I don't want to do bad things. I, I want to be loving. I want to be like, do you find yourself, oh God, I wish, help me. What is that? That's growth. Don't you see? That's growth. Growth is gradual. It's gradual. And that's just the way it is. Now, you need to know that this morning. Why? Because if you expect yourself to be a fully grown tree right now, you're going to be very disappointed. And you'll be crushed under the weight of expectation. God is so gentle, and he grows us, and he grows us slowly over our entire lives until we get to heaven. And we will never stop growing. Let that just, you know, have its way with your heart and breathe. Breathe. He's growing you. And who said he isn't, right? Growth is gradual. And then finally, growth is communal. Growth is communal. It takes a community. It takes a village to grow. It absolutely does. And I know that, again, doesn't probably stand out in our passage because of this word growth. Grow, grow, grow. And I think the problem, well, there are probably a couple of reasons why this is a problem. Our language, English, is... An inflected language, but not a highly inflected language. What I mean is that we take words and we add letters to it, and it changes, like jump. How do you make jump past tense? You add a couple letters, right? But it doesn't always do that. And so a word like grow, what are you looking at? Is this male or female? Is it singular or plural or, or what? There are other languages. Maybe you have a highly inflected language that you speak. I know Portuguese, I believe, is a highly inflected language, French and Greek. And if you're looking at the Greek text, you would have no question what Paul or Peter is saying here. He's not talking to individuals. He's talking to the church. 
And I know in our Western eyes, when we come to these kinds of passages that we hear grow or we see the, the pronoun you in the New Testament, who do you think about? Me, right? But the idea of a private individualistic Christianity is foreign to the pages of the New Testament. It's just not there. In fact, when you read verbs or you see personal pronouns, just assume it's plural, okay? Assume it's plural. And what Peter is saying here is that to grow requires a community. You, you, you really cannot grow by yourself. And I know some might say, I don't need to go to church to be, you know, to grow. And it's, I think it's true that we don't need to grow to be saved or say we don't need to grow to say, yeah. But I, 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 I do believe this, that you can't really grow outside of community. You can't. You can't grow vibrantly. You can't. It, it, it takes community in order for us to grow. It's true. I, um, it, was, it was some months ago, and I don't remember exactly when, but in our small groups, we were reading a book called Side by Side by Ed Welch, right? And do you remember what he said in that book? Uh, we need community. And he said we need community for a couple of reasons. One, we're needy. And two, we're needed. We are needy people. We are so needy. And we're needy because life is hard. Amen. How many of you this morning are saying life is hard right now? Okay. How do you do the Christian life on your own outside of community when life is so brutal? And it is. And the older you get, the more brutal it becomes. It's true. Trust me. It's going to happen. You should know it. We need community. And we need community because, not just because life is hard, but because sin is a burden, he says. It's a heavy burden. And and a lot of times in our our walk, we don't want to talk about our sin. We don't want to share our sin. We're embarrassed by our sin. We're ashamed of our sin. And so what do we do with it? We hide it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor living in Germany during the Second World War and was killed by the Nazis because he opposed Hitler, he wrote a book called Life Together. And in that book, there's a section on confession. And I'm going to read what he says here. Because it's powerful and because it has revolutionized my life. And I hope it will revolutionize your life and this church. Sin demands to have a man or a person by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more attractive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. In confession, now hear this, here's where he pivots. In confession, the light of the gospel breaks into the darkness and seclusion of the heart. The sin, the sin must be brought into the light. The unexpressed must be openly spoken and acknowledged. All that is secret and hidden is made manifest. It is a hard struggle until the sin is openly admitted, but God breaks gates of brass and bars of iron. Isn't that powerful?
<clears throat> there's just something powerful. There's something powerful about a community where, where we are free in Christ to talk about our sins and the ways that we have struggled. Sin is it's just it's too heavy to carry by yourself. That's why we need each other. We need each other for accountability and encouragement. And, and, and we need, we, we are so deeply needy, friends. We need each other. We need the community because we're needy. But you know what? We also are needed. Do you know that this morning? You're needed. There is someone who lives inside of you. He's called the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the implications of that as you think about community? Where the Spirit of God indwelling you can actually speak and work through in people's lives in a beautiful, powerful, transformative way. Amazing. And, and, and what could it look for you to be needed? You have, you have gifts. It means that you can move towards people. And you can share stories and you can pray for them and you can share something from God's word or ask them what they're reading in God's word. Listen, we're needy and we're needed. Growth happens not in isolation, but in community. And so we want to be a church that is walking together. While I was away for several months, I made many fires in my backyard in my fire bowl. And uh, I noticed this as the fire would burn. Uh, invariably, as it changed, one log would fall out uh, into the bowl. And it would begin to smoke, and the flame would begin to die. But you put that log back into the fire, and it would immediately catch again. And so it is with us. We need each other, friends. If we are going to grow, we desperately, desperately need one another. What could that look like? What could that look like? It means this. We gather here every Sunday for worship. And I know it's the holiday season. Go have a great time of rest. Hear that. But if you're in the city, come and be with us. This is a place of grace. It's a place to receive grace. I would say make it a priority. Make it the priority of your week where you get to come and meet with the people of God and worship God and be strengthened in your faith. And I would say this, join a small group. Jeff said, we're just at the end, but there's still time. If you want to connect, go see Jeff, and Jeff will connect you to a local small group. You heard from Sean this morning. Did you listen to him? Did you hear what he said? Did you hear him say, sometimes it's hard to get there, but when I get there, it's great, and I never regret having gone. And the accountability and the encouragement and the beer and all of that stuff. And, 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 and what a blessing that has been to him. And you know what? To any of you who are part of that group, get connected to a small group. I know some of you this morning are checking out the church and it takes time. Okay. So no burden there. Come and explore the community, but ask this question. Is this a community where I can be accepted and where I can use my gifts to be a blessing to others? At the end of the day, here's what I'm saying. We have to be together. We have to be a community. Because this is how grace comes to us. Here's how God has designed it. And so let's be that people. Let's be a church. 
Let's be a church that's growing in grace. Growing in grace, growing gradually, but also growing communally together. Because when these strands all come together, we are going to grow. It's inevitable. And so let's grow. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, grow us. Grow us from the inside out. Change our hearts. Let your grace find us and find us daily. Let it find us day by day. And Father, let it let that grace find us here as a community. Father, we need grace just to seek your grace. We are so desperate for your grace. Show us how desperate we really are. And then, Father, surprise us to the point of laughter where we begin to experience that grace and, and find ourselves growing, growing together. And, Father, thank you so much that growth is even possible. Thank you for coming to us when we were in our sins and for making us alive again and making us alive so that we can grow and grow and grow. And so hear us as I pray for growth this morning, Father. Hear us as we seek your face. And we do in Jesus' name. Amen.